Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hustline. Hey, Meredith. Huge game to dissect, so I can't wait to get into it with you. I know. I feel like this was the first, like, big game that we really had since Oregon. Um, Yeah, and we've got a lot to talk about. Where do you want to start? I mean, I want to start off not with the actual play, but just being there was just amazing. I mean, the Scarlet out was so cool. I mean, over a hundred and thousand fan or a hundred thousand fans dressed in red. Everyone got the memo. And then those uniforms were so cool. Like, I think those might have been my favorite uniforms ever. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, so I'm gonna be real. I normally hate the alternates. And when I heard it was gonna be like a color rush, I was not super excited. And then once they took the field, I was like, oh no, these are actually really cool uniforms. Uh, I was a big fan, especially the socks. They really yeah. brought the whole thing together. Oh, for sure. I thought they were so cool. There were mixed views on them, but I love them. And I bet they were feeling themselves, which definitely helped them out. So I was a big fan. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you mentioned the atmosphere. What was it like in the student section? It was so electric. And we all got our rally towels too when we entered the stadium. So we were waving those around. It was just... Oh my gosh, the energy was unreal for the first half. I mean, we were struggling a little bit, got a little bit quiet, 
But after that scoop and score by Jerron Cage, it came right back. And it was just so amazing. It was my favorite game the whole year. Oh, my gosh. We'll have to put a pin in that particular play that you mentioned because it made my life and everyone who I was talking with during the game's life as well. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Uh, Yeah. Um, So overall, uh, certainly a narrower margin of victory than Ohio State has seen since their loss to Oregon. Uh, Also, as I mentioned, kind of at the opening of the show, the first really big game that we've seen. uh, Megan, I feel like in recent weeks, we've been talking about the growth of this offense, how the defense has come together. But it was challenging to account for just how much better those two units were when we were playing the likes of Rutgers and Maryland. So now that we have someone who, you know, even with three losses under their belts is still a really good opponent, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is the best defense that we faced all year. It was definitely a test to us. Obviously, we've been trying to get our offense together. We had a bunch of new pieces at the beginning of the season. And this was our first true test. And It was definitely a bit of a struggle at first. Uh, I think particularly I want to talk about Travion Henderson's struggles in the first half. He was totally shut down. I mean, Penn State really figured him out. I mean, but then he is Travion Henderson, so he went off in the second half. But it was interesting to see that someone finally could shut him down. It was a a little bit concerning, but again, he did figure it out, but... Penn State's defense, I think, was really impressive. Yeah, and I think that example that you mentioned of Henderson is really a testament to the Ohio State offensive line against the Penn State defensive line and the ability of the Ohio State offensive line to really wear down that defensive line throughout the first half and open things up for Henderson come the second half. But once again, as a true freshman running back, like Henderson – Still not a bad performance uh, and still positioning himself as one of the best running backs in the country. Oh, for sure. And I think this was probably one of the most, if not the most, carries he's gotten all season. Obviously, it was one of the tightest games all season. So he's played or he played the whole game. So it's interesting to see him get more time on the field. And obviously, he still did really well. So interesting to see. How that played out, yeah. For sure. And that was one of our points last week was when are we going to see him play that full game? And we saw that somehow he managed to only get better with time, like a fine wine. (laughs) Um, Good comparison. uh, Yeah, definitely uh, we'll have another test coming up. Nebraska has struggled this year, um, but Anderson will have another shot where he will probably play more than one half. Um. But kind of on that note, you know, I mentioned how the offensive line sort of came on strong. There were some problems on the offensive line, uh, especially when it came to protecting Stroud. Uh, Megan, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it just seemed like Stroud did not have a lot of time to set up a play and see his options. And as a result, there were a decent amount of overthrows or just not super on target. I mean, there were countless times where either Wilson or Olave or one of the other receivers were just on the ground catching the ball because the throws were just so low. I think he was just so rushed. They didn't really have time to set up for a a good pass. So I don't think that was on him. I mean, he hasn't really faced a, you know, quick team like Penn State. So 
they were kind of wearing down the O-line. Um, but it was just interesting to see him in a rush state. So hopefully that was a good experience for him. So moving forward, he can adjust quicker and make uh, some better decisions and better passes. Definitely. And, you know, on the way out of the season, we're going to have Michigan, Michigan State, probably Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then hopefully Georgia eventually in the college <laughs> football playoffs. So Stroud definitely uh, will need to get used to defenses that are able to get to him and pressure him and rush him more than what we've seen in the last few weeks. Um, but in terms of things that we don't want to get used to and we would really like to nip in the bud, uh, these are early season mistakes. Ohio State had 10 penalties for 74 yards. Oh, this was this was bad. These were pretty costly. I mean, even Henderson had one in the red zone, so we had to settle for a field goal. Uh, our center, Luke Whipler, had two, I believe. There were just a lot of penalties that were pretty costly, and it was just really sloppy. So, yeah, like you said, these are pretty early season mistakes. So it was a little bit concerning to see that right now in the middle of the season, but I'm sure Ryan Day is going to chew them out in practice and it won't happen again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with all of that, Ohio State did – win the game. They came out with uh, perhaps their best win of the season so far, uh, even though the scoreboard might not reflect that. But we're obviously going to save the best for last, a play that we've already mentioned. Uh, the run defense looked great. They had three collective turnovers, including the big man touchdown. This was, oh my gosh, this was so exciting. Jerron Cage out of nowhere scoops up the ball and returns it for a touchdown. And it's just such a feel-good story, too. You know, he's a senior, hasn't gotten a ton of playing time, but the biggest moment of his life probably came, and this was a total momentum shifter. And it was, oh, my gosh, the stadium went crazy. It was so amazing. And, yeah, it was just a phenomenal play to watch. And everyone loves a big man touchdown, so love that one. Yes, so love this journey for him. So, so exciting. Um, so... Obviously, uh, Ohio State is well-positioned within the Big Ten East now, uh, definitely jockeying for position ahead of Penn State, um, and is now tied atop the Big Ten East standings with Michigan State since Michigan State beat Michigan. Uh, and now we're starting to see some separation in what is possibly the toughest division in college football. Um Megan, thoughts overall on this extremely entertaining and extremely competitive Michigan State-Michigan game? So I think Kenneth Walker might be maybe not my leading Heisman candidate, but man, he's definitely up there. He had 197 yards and five touchdowns. He is the best back in the country. Travion, I'm sorry, but Kenneth Walker is just amazing, and it'll be such a good matchup. When they come to Columbus and face off, Henderson and Walker, the two best backs in the country, he totally carried Sparty, and he's just a really fun player to watch. So I think he was definitely the key in that win against Michigan. Oh, for sure. And uh, I was talking about this with my husband earlier, but the fact that Kenneth Walker 
And really a lot of Michigan State success uh, is really owed to the transfer portal. You know, we Ohio State fans, obviously we benefited with Justin Fields coming from Georgia, uh, but it's really fascinating how quickly Michigan State has been able to rebuild. I mean, they were not in a good spot last year and having players like Kenneth Walker come in, be able to make an immediate impact. Um, it's really like Michigan State, I, it's not a theory. Like they control their own destiny um, in the Big Ten East at this point, um, again, as one of two undefeated teams in the East. Um, and so it's just really phenomenal to see how much Walker has been able to impact the Spartans in just one season. For sure. I mean, that's definitely a success, for, success story coming out of the transfer portal. You love to hear that. But yeah, he's been a huge part of this team. And hey, this is probably head coach Mel Tucker's biggest win. And he has just really brought this program back. Obviously, they're having a phenomenal season so far. So huge win for Sparty. And moving to the Michigan side, I mean, what does this mean for for Jim Harbaugh and his future? Like, do you think he might be out after the season no matter what? Megan, I've been saying that he's going to be out after the season (laughs) for years. So I can't be trusted with this. But no, uh, I mean, he obviously uh, started off the season so hot. Michigan rose into the top 10, one of the hottest teams in the country. We all knew when we eventually would have this round robin of Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State in the East, um, that teams were going to fall off. Um, but it's interesting to see the stratification that Michigan is still not the best team in the Big Ten East. Um, and, you know, we're, we, I, I think some people were hoping that Michigan would come out on top and really set up this like huge showdown at the end of the season between a one loss Ohio State team and an undefeated Michigan team. Um, but, you know, we just sort of are saving, well, we, I guess we just lost the opportunity for that drama and now have several more weeks to speculate on Jim Harbaugh's future. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved that matchup, but at the same time, it's always nice to see Michigan lose, especially in this type of heartbreaking fashion. So I'll take a huge Michigan State matchup. I think that'll be, honestly, it might be a better game than the Michigan game. These are both, obviously, Ohio State's a great team, Michigan State's a great team, so... I'm happy with a big matchup like that. But as for Harbaugh, I mean, if he loses to Ohio State, he has to be gone, right? Like, I feel like there's – Well, honestly, who knows? Again, who knows? Yes, because as much as we say this year in and year out, like winning the rivalry games is important, but who is Michigan going to get that's going to be better than Jim Harbaugh? Um, You know, there are some struggles. Like, they've had some years that have, you know, really not been great. but. Sometimes they also just simply cannot beat Ohio State or cannot beat a good Notre Dame or a good Michigan State team So, or win their bowl game. So uh, when it's when that's the case, who are you going to get that is going to beat Ohio State? What coach out there can regularly and consistently beat Ohio State? Don't say Dabo Sweeney. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I mean, hey, we beat Dabo Sweeney, so maybe no one. I mean, let's just say no one. We'll just continue to win every year. That's fine with me. I mean, keep Harbaugh. I wouldn't be mad about it. Just yeah, keep him for I, the rest of his life. I mean, I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of just like saying we're just going to make a change for change's sake when there's not really an alternative who could 
bring that program to the mm-hmm. next level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people might be clamoring for a new coach, but okay, you get a new coach. I don't think that'll really change much. Like there's no huge coaches out there right, right now that I think could really make a difference. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, especially if he loses again to Ohio State. So definitely a storyline to keep watching through the offseason. Yeah. Um, and on the note of what this game means for Ohio State, uh, obviously Ohio State, we, we knew this was going to happen. One of these teams was going to end up with a single loss, right? Uh, both heading in to the game undefeated. But what does this mean playing Michigan State earlier, playing a one-loss Michigan later on? Um, do you think that this has really any impact when we think about Ohio State's college football playoff resume? So right now, Michigan State is fifth in the AP Top 25, and we are sixth, which I guess I have to agree with. Michigan State right now on paper is the better team. So I think, honestly, this will add some fuel for Ohio State to make sure that they surpass Michigan State and they beat them in this huge game. Um, It's definitely going to be interesting, but... This definitely has huge implications, and it's just setting up for such a huge game for Ohio State. I mean, this is a do-or-die game. Like, if the Buckeyes lose, then they are out of the playoffs. But as for the Michigan game, I think it'll add some fuel for them as well. I mean, they're going to come off of this loss. They're going to carry it through until the last game of the season, and they're going to be mad, and they're going to want to be another Big Ten rival, the Big Ten rival. So... It'll be interesting. I think this win made it an even better game against us, and then Michigan's loss is making that an even better game against us at the end of the season. So it might be a little nerve-wracking, a little scary, but it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, if Ohio State wins out, they still control their own destiny. If they lose another game, as you mentioned, they're out of the playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really uh, – if they're able to run this table, they're going to have among the best resumes of any playoff team. Um, so certainly hoping for that. And as you said, Michigan is still a good team and they are going to be very fired up to beat Ohio State. Uh, it may be, as we alluded to, a situation where Jim Harbaugh is fighting for his job. Um, and so perhaps his players will be motivated uh, in that respect. Um, In terms of teams that have really played themselves out of the conversation, though, we've got to talk about Iowa. Oh, how far they've fallen in just a couple weeks. Like, what happened to this team? Like, they were literally number two in the country at one point, and now they just lost by 20 to Wisconsin. This is just... I'm just lost. Like, I don't know what happened. We were all saying, okay, I guess it's going to be in Ohio State. Iowa Big Ten Championship, Ohio, Iowa's a really good team, maybe the best in the Big Ten. And now they just totally, like you said, fallen off. And I'm just really struggling to figure out what went wrong. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things go wrong, right? Uh, but what's really interesting is this dynamic in the Big Ten West now because it's looking like I, I, there's still a lot of football to be played, right? But Ohio State, assuming Ohio State runs the table, could face either Wisconsin or Minnesota again uh, as the champion of the West in the Big Ten championship game. Um, 
am less excited, honestly, about either of those matchups than I was about Iowa, especially the Iowa of two weeks ago, which again would have added to Ohio State's great uh, playoff resume. Mm -hmm. So that's a bummer. Yeah, it really does hurt us too. Like, of course, Penn State losing. Okay, that win against them doesn't mean as much. And what is Michigan? Go ahead. What does a win, a second win over Minnesota do for us? And what does a win over Wisconsin do for us? Like Wisconsin got, well, okay, again, we know the score was not reflective of the game, but Wisconsin ended up getting blown out by Notre Dame. Right. Like, like that does nothing for us. Yeah. And especially with Minnesota. Yeah. We, it was a pretty good game against them, but then Ibrahim got injured. He's out for the season. They're not the same team at all. So yeah, it just it really doesn't do much for us for either team. So obviously it's not great for our resume, but at the same time, a win is a win. And I definitely believe if we win out and win the Big Ten Championship, we'll be fine for the playoffs. But it just it really doesn't add much for us, like you said. And it's just not as exciting. So it's kind of well, unfortunate. There there was that time we beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing. That was pretty exciting. Um, I mean, I think we won the national championship that year, but you know. Yeah, you know, that was cool too. Um, (laughs) Okay, I've got quite the transition for you. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Well, speaking of Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, the longest tenured head coach in Division I, uh, the second longest tenured head coach, Gary Patterson of TCU, Oh, that was good. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, It it comes after a huge loss to Kansas State. I'm. It's shocking, but what's also shocking is the volume of coaches who are, and I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, who are getting fired mid-season. Yeah, I mean, people are just impatient these days. I guess, like, if you're not doing well at the midpoint of the season, you're gone. So. Truly, no one is safe, which is a little frightening if you're a head coach. But I am just shocked after everything Gary Patterson has done for this program. He really put them on the map. And I guess they wanted him to stay till the end of the season. But he was like, okay, if you're going to fire me, then I'm leaving now. So it's interesting to see. TCU's kind of fallen off this year as well. So, I mean, do you think he'll go anywhere else? I I don't know if this is the end of his career or what do you think? I don't know. It feels like he's been at TCU for so long that it's, I don't know. But then again, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay. I don't know. That is true. Um, (laughs) But I I don't know. It feels like TCU is probably his last stop. But then again, maybe his decision to exit now is an attempt to better position himself for some coaching vacancies er that come earlier uh, because he will obviously be available um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. And as you said, Gary Patterson is really the coach responsible for putting TCU on the map. Um, he was the coach when TCU moved from the mountain West to the PAC 12. Uh, and you know, the coach when, when TCU has, has had much success in the big 12, like that one year that they did not make the college football playoff, but were in fact tied with Baylor when the big 12 did not have a championship game. Uh, so no one from the big 12 got in reminder that was 2014 when, <laughs> when we won the championship because we have to mention that Ohio state is a national champion at every opportunity. Yeah. At least three times an episode. <laughs> um, 
Well, anyway, uh, definitely interesting. Uh, Other huge storylines from this weekend. Auburn had a big win against Ole Miss. Uh, You mentioned TCU's big loss against Kansas State. Uh, I really – I can't say I know what's going on in the SEC outside of Georgia and Bama. Um, Georgia won big over Florida, nearly kept Florida – scoreless for the first time in what what did they say on the game like 1997 or 1988 I don't know it was like (laughs) I was a child or not born yet (laughs) um but uh you know Georgia is definitely positioning itself uh far and above its competitors in the SEC East um Alabama we still have some question marks around um but yeah any other big games you wanted to hit on before we head to a break um, I just wanted to highlight the Georgia-Florida game again. I really thought it would be a closer game, but Georgia really just proved themselves to be the best team in the country, no doubt. And th- that pretty much put them in the playoff. The remainder of their games, they they should win pretty easily, the remainder of their schedule. So, I mean, I'm just – I'm shocked. They've just really come out strong this year and – that te- that game totally solidified them as the number one team. So it'll be interesting. At least, hey, at least Alabama's not one. I'll take Georgia any day over Alabama. Yeah. And the fact that, uh, you know, Georgia was able to, could have conceivably uh, secured the SEC East on Saturday, literally halfway through the season was pretty terrifying. Um, as an aside, I had not. I didn't realize that Georgia, Florida was called like the cocktail party or whatever. But that seems kind of fun. I think I might add that to my bucket list along with like going to the Grove at Old Miss. Oh, I didn't know that either. That's festive. I mean, I saw yeah. Tim Tebow tweet about it, but obviously didn't say that. But hey, that is interesting. That'd be a fun game to go to yeah, for sure. Um. Well, anyway, uh, we've got more news coming up for you, but we're going to take a quick break first, so stay with us. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Welcome back. So transitioning to the NFL, uh, this really seemed to be the weekend of NFL backup quarterbacks. Of course, we have to start with my Jets, like, come on, Mike White out of Who? Western Kentucky, Western Kentucky Who? QBs. Yep, I know, I know, Western Kentucky's finest. He played phenomenal. He had 400 passing yards, like, and he caught a touchdown pass. This man is just phenomenal. He was so fun to watch, and 
he led his team over the Bengals. Like, this wasn't some, like, oh, it's just the Dolphins. They're not good. Like, no, this was the Bengals, a great team, and we upset them. And I'm just so happy. And, hey, now my wife's the starter until Zach Wilson comes back. So, certainly an exciting time to be a Jets fan, and I love it. What a world that we live in that you just described the Bengals as a good win. I mean... No offense to you, Bengals fans out there. But <laughs> For real, though, you're, I mean, the Bengals are having the, level of the Jets and the Browns. <laughs> the Bengals are having a great season, but the Jets had to put the brakes on them. So I'm not mad about it. Sorry, Bengals fans, which is half of my friends, but Jets play great. Bengals do not. I'm happy. Yeah. Um, this this is bittersweet news. Uh, Trevor Simeon came in for an injured Jameis Winston to lead the Saints over the Bucks. Uh, we're going to talk about Jameis's injury in here just a minute. Here in a minute, excuse me. Um, obviously, Trevor Simeon of Northwestern fame. Go Cats! Hey, go Big Ten! Like, good for him. But again, we will get to Jameis. But shocking win over the Bucks. They just totally have. The Saints have Tom Brady's number when he's a member of the Bucks. Like, I'm pretty sure that he's winless against New Orleans so far when he's in Tampa Bay. Could be wrong, but, like, man, the Saints just played amazing. They really stepped up. Um, Simeon came in because Taysom Hill was injured. I was wondering that. I was like, isn't Taysom Hill the backup? But, hey, Trevor Simeon, third stringer, comes in and plays great and beats the Bucks, who I thought would be a Super Bowl contender, but... They got their second loss of the season. Saints are playing great, so we'll see what happens moving forward. But Simeon came in for a huge game and got the win. Yeah. I mean, the Bucks are it's a it's a long season. It's a 17 game NFL season now. Uh the Bucks hey, are two allowed losses, to lose the game. Two losses already. Yeah. I mean, that's not it's not. Let's tear of. down Tom um, Brady. Come on, join me. It's bad for Tom Brady, fine. Um, <laughs> but no, Baxter certainly um, have a lot of the weapons and they've shown a lot of explosive uh, ability already early on in the season. But yeah, you're right. The The Saints certainly do seem to have Tom Brady and the Bucks number. Um, so we shall see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, the final backup quarterback we wanted to highlight, Cooper Rush and the Cowboys beating the Vikings. I had to look up Cooper Rush because I forgot about him. <laughs> I was so confused at first. I didn't know if Dak was playing or not. So then they, they just kept talking about Cooper or Cooper. And I'm like, are they talking about like Amari Cooper? And I was like, oh, no, there's just this red-haired quarterback who hasn't played in the NFL for four years. And here he comes and plays great. And his family was there cheering him on, and it was so wholesome. And then he threw that pass to Amari Cooper, the Cooper to Cooper touchdown to win the game. And it was so exciting. I was really happy for him. It was a great win for them. But, man, he was he's a true no-name. And he had a huge win for Dallas, which I think just attributes to how good the Cowboys really are. Like, they win yes. with a guy named Cooper Rush. And then... Still, when they get Dak Prescott back, they're even better. So Dallas is definitely a team to watch out for. I hate – I no, I, I don't want to talk about Dallas. I can't. Come I'm on. Sorry. Zeke. No. Just think about Zeke. I mean, I like Zeke. He's cool, but it's, it's Dallas. Um, but, yeah, it's been an odd trend this year. Uh, 
Case Keenum won a game for the Browns against Denver last weekend when Baker was out. Um, The backup quarterback has been strong this season, Um, and we are obviously just getting started. Um, But obviously, all of these backups are playing for not necessarily great reasons and definitely not things that we want to celebrate um, we mentioned Jameis Winston and Trevor Simeon needing to come in off the bench for him. Uh, he did tear his ACL and he is out for the season. Um, we saw some other season ending injuries to some pretty phenomenal players this year already, or this week, excuse me, as well. Yeah. I mean, first off, Jameis's torn ACL, that is just so sad. I heard that uh, Sean Payton came into the locker room, saw him, and had tears in his eyes because he knows that he has worked so hard. He's played so well this season, so I definitely feel bad for Jameis. But in addition to him, we got the best running back, Derrick Henry, with a potential season-ending foot injury. Uh, this it is, is season-ending. I it know this because ending. he's on my husband's fantasy team, and <laughs> Dave came in and was very upset. Well, and this brings in other news. The Titans signed Adrian Peterson as their new running back, so – That'll be something to watch for, for sure. But back to Derrick Henry, he was definitely in the conversation for the MVP. And again, it is early in the season. Let's talk about that. But, I mean, what do you think this means for the MVP race? Um, It does a lot. Yeah. I, Derrick Henry's good. There's going to be other players who really come to the forefront. It's still early in the season, but it's, it is a real bummer for Henry and for the Titans. Um, Yeah, it feels like they don't have really any hope anymore. Right. I mean, because they barely managed to win against the Colts, which Colts are actually doing pretty well, but this is just obviously their biggest weapon lost. So super unfortunate news for them, but we'll see what happens with Adrian Peterson now as they're running back. Um, He is like ancient for a running back. Let's talk about that. Yeah. He has been around – Forever, it's like Frank Gore level. Yeah, Darren okay, okay. Like, come on, oh not no way, not that much. Frank Gore is like almost fifty or something. But hey, Adrian <laughs> Peterson has definitely been around for a while too. Uh, we'll see how much he has left in the tank. Um, I mean, I don't even think he played last season. I could be wrong, but we'll see what he's looking like. Um, She's definitely a little bit older, as you said. So it'll be interesting. I don't know if he's going to be their number one running back, but we'll see what they decide to do with him. Definitely. Um, Well, regardless, certainly hoping for speedy and safe recoveries for all of those players and all the other ones that we didn't mention who were hurt this weekend. Um, That is all we've got for today. Before we wrap up the show, Megan, do you have any shout outs? Yeah, I got a shout out. My New York Knicks, they're 5-1. and one. Who would have thought? They're having a great start to the season. So super happy with them. They're fun to watch. And it's just a really fun start to the NBA season in general. And I'm just happy my team is actually doing well for once. So shout out to the Knicks. What a weekend for you. It's a big one. I know, really. All my teams won. I love it. Um, I'm going to shout out. We forgot the shout out last week. I don't know how, but Carly Lloyd... Four-time Olympian, two-time FIFA Player of the Year, two-time Women's World Cup champion, uh, retired last week. She played her last game. Um, Incredible career. One of the people who really put the U.S. women's national team 
um, in its latest iteration on the map and really one of those anchors for that incredible team. Um, so obviously really like sad that she is not going to be on the team anymore, um, but certainly appreciate the opportunity to be able to celebrate her phenomenal career. So shout out to her. For sure. She's obviously a trailblazer within women's soccer and one of the best players of all time. And it was just so sad. It was, it was bittersweet reading all of her teammates, uh, just like posts about her on social media and how grateful they were to play with her. So she's just a great player and a great person. So she will definitely be missed in the soccer world. Absolutely. That's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.